so good, so good. Um, God is one of the things, one of the ways God's wired me is he's given me a, a heart of worship or a heart of a worshiper. It's like I, I love worship. I always, always have the music and I just, there's something very freeing and uh, powerful in that. Well, good morning. If you don't know, I'm, I'm Glenn. I'm part of the pastoral team here and it's, it's an incredible opportunity to be able to, to come and to to share with you this morning, and we're, we're in actually a, a series called Pilgrim's Progress. This is number two. This is part two of our series, and last week we began that thinking of the joys and challenges as Christianity being a spiritual program, pilgrimage. Like, like, this is a journey, a spiritual journey, and it's, it can be interesting at times. The, the title page of John Bunyan's book includes the following. So John Bunyan was the guy that wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, and this is how, it, how it's written. The pilgrim's progress from this world to that which is to come, delivered under the likeness of a dream, wherein is discovered the manner of his setting out, his dangerous journey, and safe arrival at the desired country. The manner of his setting out, his dangerous journey, and the safe arrival at a desired country. It's a pilgrimage. And I think our Christian walk could be very easily connected to that. Cambridge Dictionary defines a pilgrim as a person who makes a journey, often long and difficult one, to a special place for religious reasons. I mean, that sums it up. That's pretty awesome. I think that, that makes it pretty relevant for us. This morning, as we, we're in this Christmas season and we continue to think about the journey, um, I want to use some of the characters from, from the Nativity story as as a way to unpack this idea of pilgrimage for us. And I want to start with this story of Mary and Joseph and their journey. And so um, we're going to read some of the story. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture, a lot of the narrative. It's because in it, I believe that there's some, some things in that that as we unpack it, will speak to our journey today with us. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. In verse 1. So Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And, uh, and so if I stumble over some words, it's because the NIV is actually going through my head. So sometimes I get two merged together. And well, you guys all know that I merge words too. And that can be very interesting in the process. But we'll try and get, keep this straight. So Luke chapter 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, whom he was engaged to, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She, she shrapped. See? Told you. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I'm going to read fast today because I've got so much I want to share. So as long as it's up on the screen, you guys, you guys are good. So Mary and Joseph, they, they, were, they were actually pilgrims. They just didn't know it. They didn't realize that it was for spiritual purposes, the journey that they were on. The actual trip for them would not have been easy. Uh, when you think about it, it was probably quite a physical challenge. I found an article in the LA Times that described their journey. Now these details, you know, they, they're based on the, the narrative and the different pieces and, and, and stuff that they could find. It's the LA Times, so it's like 
really, it's not scripture, all right? But it's like, their description of it was that it would be a fairly grueling trip, like in the natural. The researcher says that it's about 100 kilometers, give or take, um, to that idea of the traveling from Joseph's ancestors to where he would have had to go. They would have had to go along south along the flatlands of the Jordan River and then west along the hills and surrounding Jerusalem and then over those hills into Bethlehem. It was, it was a rough trip. The researcher kind of said that Joseph and Mary likely would have only traveled about 16 kilometers a day. I mean, when you think about it, Mary was great with a child. And so... He also says that the trip would have been probably during the winter. And, you know, we come to, sometimes we think of the Holy Land and different things, and it's hot and dry and so on like that. Well, at this time of year, not so much. It was miserable, nasty, probably would have been freezing at night. Now, the idea of people traveling and, uh, like, even pregnant people traveling and so on at the bid of the Roman Empire in this day and age wasn't, wasn't strange, wasn't uncommon. Like It wasn't uncommon for them to have to make a pilgrimage. It wasn't uncommon for them to have to travel to their ancestral city. That part of this story isn't the, I'll say, the, the, the wow part of it. The, 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 even how grueling it was wasn't the wow part of it. But the trip to Bethlehem was not random. So the destination had purpose, but, and for Mary, I mean, think about it. For Joseph and Mary, the timing of this probably couldn't have been worse, right? This was not, this wasn't something like, for them, it was like, man, why now? Like, if they were questioning God, it would be like, God, couldn't you have arranged this a little better under the circumstances? But it was part of a bigger picture. There was something special happening. Mary was carrying something. Or should I say Mary was carrying someone, and that was very important because, because of that, it changed their journey from something ordinary that everyone else would have experienced to something that was extraordinary. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 4, when King Herod asked the leading priests and, and, and the scribes and the teachers of the law, like, this is when the, the Magi had come, but the, he asked this question, like, so where is the Messiah supposed to be born, they replied. Oh, no. Where was he supposed to be born? Then they replied, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. Verse 6 says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for the ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. The prophets, they, they foretold of the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. So there's two critical pieces coming together. The Messiah and the location. This was told many years before. The child Mary carried was no ordinary child. So it, it, even if we jump back eight or nine months here, like let's, let's go back and bring some context to the beginning of this journey for Mary. If we look in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26, we get this other story, the precursor to the one I'm reading now. It brings the context of, of how this journey began or how it unfolded for Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and we talked about that last week with uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. That can also be translated, Rejoice, blessed are you among women. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. 
This was confusing. And so, I lost my spot. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. I mean, think about getting that message. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I mean, first of all, I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we could actually just stop there, (laughs) but we won't. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth will become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Some translations say, say, nothing is impossible for God. And Mary responded, and I love this. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment. Wow. I mean, this Christmas is kind of an interesting context for me because... My daughter's engaged. Oh, oops. (laughs) No, and not pregnant. Yes, which she's. That's that's always the risk when you start to kind of speak from your heart in these moments. But but so it's like this context of, of imagine an angel appearing to Julie. And speaking to her these things, it's like, yeah, her fiancé would be freaking out. I would be freaking out. It's all good. But, 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 the, but we kind of, you know, we kind of simplify it, but it's like, you know, it's, it's really quite impactful. It's like God is, it has spoken to this young lady, and, and, and she's received it. And it says, and her response is, all right, God, if that's what you're doing, then that's what they were doing. So can you imagine as they traveled, she's very, very close to her due date. They're traveling. And as they travel, the the words of Gabriel, the angel, echoing, must have been echoing in her mind. I mean, it's with every step, with, with every ache and pain and discomfort and a potty break every mile and, you know, like all those things that, that would have been part of this journey and in her mind, there's this echo of the angel saying, the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. I mean, talk about a pilgrimage, like a person on a journey, long and difficult one to a special place for religious reasons. I mean, you don't get any more important reason than carrying the Son of God. And let's think about it for a second from, from Joseph's point of view, too. It's like he was, he was in the midst of all of this, Mary was the one that was pregnant, but he was a part of the journey. So, so let's pull Joseph in, too, because I want to bring that context. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. 
It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He he reasoned it through. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary to be his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. What God was doing in the midst of this, in, through the process, through the, through the journey, through the pilgrimage, didn't make sense to the people in the moment for the most part. There was something definitely of the divine in the midst of it. I mean, there was like there were some pretty radical things happening with the visitation of an angel, with the with the different pieces that were coming together from them. But we we should take note that what was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That the child would be Emmanuel, God with us. Like most of us in this journey, we're wrestling with bridging that distance, I'll say, between the divine and the natural. The, the what we can sense and what we sense in a different way. I mean, God with us is, is a pretty hard thing to wrap our heads around. The creator of the universe, the, you know, the, the God that spoke spoke things, that speaks things, that, that creates things. And in this case, they're, they're journeying that in a very real way, in a very tangible way as a pregnant woman and a fiancé and walking it together. But here's where I want to start to step into some application from this story, and I pray that I haven't stretched too far. And so just kind of weigh it out, study the Scripture, if, if something doesn't line up, toss it out. If it does, apply it. I've made the statement that we're on a spiritual journey, a pilgrimage. We're traveling with a sense of, I'll say, destiny. I believe that as part of that journey, God births, births things in us by his spirit. He... He places seeds of things in us. Dreams, visions, ministries, opportunities, promises. Things that he deposits by his spirit and he plants in us. Things that that he's called us to do. And the time will eventually come for those things to be born and to grow. It's something that happens in the spirit. And I know that can sound, if, if you're not familiar with that kind of language, that sounds a little bit strange. But don't, you don't need to make it strange. It's, it's, 
it's really not. It's like when there's something that's like, man, there's just something stirred in you and there's something that, that just seems to have the touch of the divine on it. We can learn a lot from, from Mary and Joseph and how they handled this. When we think about the things that maybe are stirring in our hearts or in our spirits or some things that the promises, those things that God has deposited in us. I believe they show us that when it comes to things that God has conceived in us, <laughs> we have a choice of our receptiveness to it. We have a choice in how we receive that, what we do with that. Think about it. Look at Mary's response to Gabriel in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Her response was this. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Even something conceived in the spirit has to be carried. Even something that's divine, like a touch of God, something that's, that, that seed that's been planted, it has to be carried. Mary was blessed and highly favored, but she was also willing and available and submitted to what God wanted to do. All right, God, if that's what you're up to, sign me up. And that wasn't cheap. That was a big deal. That was huge. Look at Joseph's response. We can look at Matthew 1.24, as I read before. It's like, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He responded in a way, like, I mean, some of you may have had angels appear to you. I don't know. I haven't. There's been different things that God has spoken to me that I've wrestled with, but it's like, there's a sense of what do you do with that? Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Joseph got up and said, all right, if that's, what, if that's what you're saying, God, and he went and he did what God had asked him. If we don't think about that from different perspectives, we can sometimes get lost in the story. Mary carried the baby, but Joseph was willing to carry Mary. He was a part of the process. His willingness was important. Now, maybe God has placed something in your heart. Maybe, maybe he's given you something to carry. Maybe he's deposited a dream or a vision or a thought in your heart. The question for us all today is, are we willing to get some spiritual stretch marks for the cause? <laughs> are we willing to carry something? Or the other side of it, maybe, maybe God's calling us to care for someone, to support someone, to be willing to carry someone who is carrying something to see it come to pass. Are, are we willing to do that? Because I actually believe in my heart that some of the most outrageous ministries of Faith City Church are actually still in seed form or yet to be birthed in the hearts of the people before me. That some of the most incredible ministries and opportunities and, and dreams and, and gifts and visions and moments are there in our hearts, being deposited, they, ready to be nurtured and carried. 
But, but where will we be in the process? Will we be like Mary and say, all right, if that's what it is, whatever it costs, God, I'm willing. Or, or, or maybe where that person's like, yes, I'll come alongside that person. I will uphold them. I will walk with them. I love the potential that is in the story. But I'm excited about the potential that's in this room. Some of it realized, but much of it yet in seed form. In that moment before that. Wave Conference is a conference that, as a family, and Debbie and I have been going to for years, and, and it's, it's in Virginia Beach. It's a, it's a church that we're associated with. We're part of a network there. One of the speakers this past year was Paul DeYoung, who's a pastor from New Zealand. And so he was, he was, he was teaching in this um, uh, pastor's elective or gathering of leaders. And, and he asks the question, he says, what's God called you to carry? Or what, what's, what's he laid on your heart? Like what is, what is in you that God has put there? What's the spirit conceived in you? And he made this point. And it stuck with me enough that I remembered it to be able to bring it into this message. And he said, what's birthed in the spirit cannot be carried in your soul, your emotions, your thinking, your flesh, or your humanness. What is spiritually conceived or born is spiritually supported and fed. All right, so, so that's, that's important because it, it, it changes how we approach things. Like John 3, 6 says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. In the same way, a spiritual journey requires spiritual nourishment and spiritual direction. Right? So, so if, if, if we've got this God dream, we've got this thing that God seems to be birthing us, this ministry, this, this concept, this, this, this moment of, of promise and so on like that, we've got to realize that something like that, that comes from God in the spirit needs to be nurtured in the spirit as well. It needs to be fed. In the we, we need to come at it from a spiritual perspective and keep that in mind as we do this. Think about that journey and everything that Joseph and Mary went through. If you had taken the divine out of it, if you'd have taken God out of that equation, if they'd have tried to do it without the, the context of the Son of Man, right? It, 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 it would have been... It would have been a totally different thing. And we have, the, we have the, the privilege of looking at it from Scripture. We're looking at it from this side. We've got the whole story. But if you leave God out of it, if you leave God's spirit out of it, it, it won't survive. I mean, our physical journey is important. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. That, I mean, God created us this way. Like, we're, we're, we're people, we're human. It's a beautiful thing. It says, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Like John, John tells us that in 114. It says, the word, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know, we, we, we read it in the story that, that the virgin would conceive and, and give birth to a child. Emmanuel, God with us, in the flesh. So the flesh matters. I mean, that part of it, we're, I mean, that's important. But there will be times on our spiritual journey that our emotions, thinking, tiredness, flesh will undermine the spiritual promise. We don't ignore those things. I mean, some of us, this is, this is free, okay? Some of you, the godliest thing you could do is get a good night's sleep. Seriously. Like, it would bring a whole new, new perspective to your life. It's like, it would change your world. But as we continue on this pilgrimage, 
that's long and sometimes dangerous. Let's remember to nourish our spirit for the journey, not just our bodies. Yeah, get the rest, but also rest in him. Find that connection between what God is doing in us and what God is doing through us. Because that, what God is doing in us is that spiritual nourishment that helps us to be able to be there when God is doing something through us. I mean, Galatians chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, in the, I've got it in the new NIV. I think it's going to be New Living Translation up here. But it says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. There's that, that balance, that, that coming together of those different things, about the flesh and the, and the spirit, and the one that we nurture and strengthen determines so many things. Now, some of you are going to get what I've been talking about like right away, just because of the season you're in and where you are on the journey, on your pilgrimage. It's just going to make sense really, really easy. Others may not be at that point in your journey. Maybe that's not on your radar. Maybe you're not at that place where you kind of feel like you've, you've had that, that promise, that, that thing from God that you're kind of like trying to figure out how to get through. I mean, that's okay. Don't sweat it. It's, it's, it's not about where you are at the moment. This is pilgrim's progress. The idea is, is what I'm hoping for and believing for is that everyone that leaves here today can feel like they're one step closer to God's best divine plan for their lives and that they're one step closer to kind of in that, in that connection between who God is and who they are. One step closer to God's desired best for you. As the team comes back, Um, I want to ask you a couple questions. When you think about the context of Mary and Joseph and the nativity story and the journey that they are on, and when we consider it from the standpoint of where each of us are today, and I recognize we're all in a different place. We've all, we're, we're, it's interesting, we're, we're all on a different journey. We all have our own journey and yet we have so much in common in that journey. We, we've, we've all practically found different ways to get started on this journey, if you're on this journey with us. So there's all these different points of departure. But I'd like to say that the destination is the same. And because we have that destination in common, there's a commonality in that journey. So in thinking of that, my first question is this. What has God planted in you? What's, what's that dream of your heart? What, what's that divine seed that just, it's there, it's in you, it's, it's, it's that strategy, that promise, that thing. I mean, it could be in the area of business. I mean, I'm, I'm one of these guys that actually believes that God can give a business person a divine strategy that has the ability to, to, to open things and unlock things for, for people. It's like, well, is there something that God has deposited in you in the area of business? Or maybe it's resourcing the kingdom in some way that's, that's unique and that's upon you. But 
Maybe it's, maybe it's in the area of outreach or, or ministry that there's a sense of some things on your heart that God's put there. It's like, man, I just want to reach our city. Like there's, just, there's so many people. Maybe it's a people group that's on your heart. Maybe, maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a, a sense of social justice or, or social action or community action where, where there's something in you and it's like it's for God's kingdom. And, and you're thinking like, well, what about me? You know, or it's like, or, or God, you sure you got the right guy? Or like, you know what I mean? You're in that moment. It's like, there's, a, there's something laid on your heart. And it's like, I'm sorry. It's like you, you put return to sender or whatever because you think, no, there must be a mistake. Like this is the wrong address. But there's that sense of, of something that's, that's there. And, and maybe you've been wrestling with it. Maybe you're, you've been thinking, it's like, well, that can't be me. Maybe today... It's something that, that is beyond you. I got good news and bad news. If it's from God, it probably is. <laughs> if it's from God, there's gonna be some stretch marks. If, if God, it's, it's gonna challenge who we are. But here's the second question that goes with, if God's placed something on your heart, here's the second question. How will you respond? Will you, like Mary, be willing to say, may your will be done, Lord, and then be willing to carry that? Or maybe you're feeling more like Joseph, and God has put in you the capacity to care for, to uphold, to support, to carry someone as they carry a God dream. You may not get the glory, but God sees and rewards, rewards those that are willing. I'm so thankful for our leadership team here at Faith. I actually had one of the individuals on our board tell me one time, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Pastor. He says, I'll carry you if I have to. The funny thing is, is he could very easily carry me, like just over the shoulder, gone. But it's that sense of recognizing the importance of being able to partner sometimes with a vision and come alongside someone and, and carry them. I've never thought of this before, but if Mary had had to try to do what she did as a single mom in that culture, she'd have probably never made it. Maybe you're here today and you recognize that you've been trying to carry something born in your spirit by the spirit in your flesh. That you're trying to carry it out of brute strength and ignorance. You're, you're, you're trying to be determined, uh, grit, which we need, but you're trying to do it without his input, without his strength, without the spirit of God in you or, or that's the thing that you've neglected in the process. You've invested so much into the journey that, that you forget the God factor, the power of his spirit within us. If you try to do it in the flesh, you can't do it. It can't be done. That's both freeing and challenging at the same time. But can I encourage you? Feed your spirit. 
Allow the Spirit of God to, to strengthen you and to find that in Him. At our lowest points, at the, in our biggest challenges, God's presence and power and strength within us, the Spirit of God within us, is what sets us apart. It's what gives us the strength for the journey. It's what allows us to do what can't be done. It's through Him. It's going to take, in some cases, a bit of a refocus. It's going to take time with God, the creator of the universe. It's going to take some, some conscious decisions to put priorities on things like worship or gathering together or allowing his word to feed us and allowing him to speak to us by his spirit and by his word. It, it, it's, it's a difficult thing sometimes, especially if you're wired like me, to surrender in the process. And yet, there's a transformation that comes when we rely on God in the midst of things. challenge that it brings, but also, God, the life that it brings and the direction that it brings. And, Lord, so I, I pray for your people, Lord. I just pray, Lord, in this moment for those, God, that might be in that place of just for the very first time recognizing, God, that you've planted something in them. They're recognizing that there's that you've spoken, that there's a promise, that there's something, there's a strategy, God, and, and they don't really know what to do with it. But, but God, I just pray that in, the, in that precious moment or in that precious process of recognizing what you're doing, Lord, the Lord, you will protect the, the, the seed that's sown, Lord, that you'll begin to help that to take shape and to, and to find form, Lord God, and, and Lord, that that would just be something that would be precious to them. But God, the Lord, in the midst of that, they would recognize the divine. And God, I pray for those that are recognizing that or have recognized it, that are in the place of, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? What do I do with this? Lord God, in the midst of that, that your sweet voice would, would come in, in in a way that brings courage and direction. And God, that they would respond from a place of whatever it's on in your heart, Lord, I want to do it. Whatever you've sown into me, Lord, I surrender to that process. God, help me to follow you in that. And God, maybe you've, you've called some people here to support those that are, that are in, in that place of, of they've got a dream and Lord, we want to get behind them and we want to support them. Lord, give us the capacity to do that. And Lord, even right now, Lord, as we just worship a little bit, Lord, I just pray that you would feed our spirits, Lord, that our spirit would be open to you. God, that we would find that place of connection where that strength comes from. And Lord, that you would minister in a deep way. 
Jesus' name, amen. So we're just going to worship just a little bit, and then I'm going to, I'm going to ask the, uh, the host team to, to, to bring the communion. But let's just start with a little bit of worship, and then we'll go into that.